welcome to Team Up, a podcast where we talk about team-based primary care in British Columbia. Hello, I'm Morgan Price. This podcast is a companion to our monthly webinar series that is supporting the transition to team-based primary care in British Columbia. In this, our second episode, I was joined by Colleen Kennedy from the BC Patient Safety and Quality Council and Sarah Fletcher from the Primary Care Innovation Support Unit. We had a fun and thoughtful discussion on some of the topics highlighted in the webinar that was a rich dialogue circle exploring getting to the hows of team-based care. We started putting these video webinars on our website, and you can find those at teambasedcarebc.ca. There's a link in the show notes. And we've also, based on a request from you, started including the audio on this podcast. So if you haven't seen or heard the webinar, you can jump back to episode three of the podcast and hear the actual webinar. Today, we're going to dive straight into our conversation where we started talking about team culture, the importance of creating time and structures to build that team culture. And we touch on some communication tools, electronic medical records, and some practical tips on how to build team along the way. I hope you enjoy it. For me, I heard a few things that that just really caught my attention. Um, And some of them we didn't get to unpack during the webinar. Um, But I really heard a lot about, you know, communication, culture change, relationships. And then, you know, really got down to people started talking about psychological safety. And I think in so many ways, that's almost like the foundation of getting the team to form that whole concept of psychological safety. So creating the space where people have the ease to really comfortably speak up or share ideas or give input or ask questions, I think is, you know, such a key important foundation of setting teams up for success. And you could see it on the teams that came together and shared on the webinar. So mm-hmm. whether it was Selena really sharing about, you know, that that big leap of faith they took to form her clinic and how the team really came together and rallied around that. I think, you know, the psychological safety that we heard on Luma in terms of them looking at really innovative ways of continuing to connect and create the space that's very safe, the use of ceremony at the clinic to kind of build that space of safety. Um those things really, really stood out to me in a, in a really big way. You've got to be in a space that you can reach out to people and be vulnerable and ask for help. Otherwise, you're not really a team. And I, I know I've been lucky in my practice to, to have that. But how do people get that? I, I can see it and I know what it is when I see it. But how do you build it? That's a really good question, Morgan. Yeah. I- I actually think so much of that is that time that teams spend together. And I think that's why I like the team mapping approach. Um, same thing with our teamwork and communication action series. We actually get teams working together. So they start giving them a place, whether it's a project to work on or work to move forward together on in terms of really starting to have those difficult conversations and the space to have those conversations. Even before that, it's, you know, even something as simple as using first names when we're interacting with each other and really encouraging that can help mitigate that power differential. And I think that's really important as these teams start forming is that everyone is an equal member of that team. I think having the space for people to come together and learn together, I think Mm -hmm. really helps them create this space. And I think too is, you know, if there is that perceived power differential on a team, you know, that role of the leader. And I think that's something that that Darlene really emphasized that leadership was vital for team success and that the role of the leader to really model and be open in asking for feedback and inviting people in to give feedback and, inv- and, and hearing them when they do give feedback as well, I think was the other piece I really heard. 
they talk about, you know, teams being people who work together on how they want to work together. But if you don't create those opportunities for people to really have those conversations, do that kind of work, it can be really hard. So how do you create the space and time that you need to put in to really develop team in that way? You mentioned team mapping as you know, one of one of those tools. And I think that's very close to our hearts in the ISU, right? This facilitated process to take teams through the kind of um, design and structure sort of questions. How are they going to work together? What are different roles going to look like? But it's also really it's about the team having the opportunity to build the relationships, to get to know each other, to find out, oh, you've had all this great experience in this particular area that I didn't know about. Why don't you take over this this portion of this patient's care? That makes sense from a from an interest standpoint, from an experience standpoint, from all of these pieces that you know build a team based on the team members and and who they are as opposed to what their job titles are or what you th- what you might think they are right i, I think sarah that's a, that's a really good point i as we've done team mapping over the years I, I keep i keep changing the number but i i often say you know almost half of the benefit is the conversation above the table and then it became half and then it became more than half and i think i'm at two thirds or three quarters now because it is that time spent that helps make team that helps break down some of those pieces and it I, I think how team mapping helps is it's it does it a little bit obliquely. It's not we're gonna sit down and build a team. It's we're gonna work on something. Well and I think one of the questions that came out of, of, of the webinar that we heard several times was really it's hard to think broadly about team based care being more than just a physician and a nurse and an MOA. How do you create opportunities to think more broadly about team based care, to engage allied health and to think about that bigger picture of team-based care. I do like your obliqueness reference though, Morgan, I think, and I think Sarah, speaking to what you said too, is that that time and space is really key. But, you know, I always think about that quote, life is what happens when you're making other plans and maybe teams are what form when you're doing other things. I loved how Luma has used their their circles, their chat circles um, to create the space, especially in our virtual world where care is being delivered in a completely different way right now. How do we still create that space for teams to connect? You know, and it's been a traditional huddle and we really see the value of huddles and we've got some great tools that we can share on that. You know, how to run a huddle and some tools to help plan a huddle. And at the same time, how do we create the space for teams to connect and learn and share in new avenues and new channels? And I really liked how they had this virtual chat circle. I just thought that was a beautiful thing. And it also really brings the, the patient into the center of that as well. And I thought that was an interesting approach. The mm-hmm. virtual chat, I think, is a, is an important way to, especially today, have those those hallway conversations, those lunchroom chat, oh, and what happened on the weekend. And those are super important and more so right now. The, the feeling of disconnect is so easy to develop. So to have those other avenues is, is really important. I like it too. I think that's a fantastic uh, approach to continue to foster. And I think one of the interesting kind of takeaways from the webinar for me was was a particular comment that one of the participants made about team-based care being really about communication. And right now, so much of our communication has shifted. This also kind of ties into there was a big discussion in the webinar about EMRs. And, you know, can you have a team if you don't have a shared EMR? I think a a really great comment was that EMR doesn't drive team-based care. Team-based care drives the EMR and that it really comes back to this idea of communication. 
I'm wondering if you have any ideas about this, Morgan. I know that this is an area that you've done a bunch of a bunch of work in. I mean, there's the how you use it, but there's also who gets to use it. And that's a big piece right now in BC is as you're building out team, depending on where you're hired and where's your affiliation, you might be required to document in one place or another. And while it's not just about the documentation, that's a part of it because a lot of the communication is actually in the chart notes. But the workflow of, of a clinic, some of it will be in the messaging features of a electronic record. And if you don't have access to that, or you have to look somewhere else and that friction increases because for some reason there's a dividing line between one nurse and, and a physician, it, it does make it harder. And it, it's not because the EMR doesn't couldn't do the thing, but it's because the way it's structured, the communication breaks down. Are there any interesting workarounds that you've seen? Get them access to the same platform, really. So the problem is if you start to use a second workaround, then you're double entering. And as soon as you do that, there's going to be a breakdown. Either you don't bother or you don't do one as well as the other. Figure out where that electronic circle needs to be and put people inside it. I, I've worked with nurses essentially the same level of clinical intensity in the same building even, and yet one was hired by the, the region and one was hired by the clinic, and so one had access and one didn't. And so the workarounds we had to do in order to stay connected, it was a lot more, this is pre-COVID, a lot more face-to-face. I was charting our conversations in my record. So that's how we did it. That's how we worked around this. We would talk on the phone and I would type into the chart, but that wasn't that efficient. And when we texted out of office hours, which we did a lot because I was only working part-time, that stuff was not into the record. I, I just find that fascinating, Morgan, talking about that flow of information because, you know, that's sort of the lifeblood of the work in this time. And if we don't have those systems speaking to each other, then you've got those workarounds. And every time you've got one of those workarounds, you've got the other place where the team is potentially set up to fail in terms of moving that forward. Kind of ties into the idea of co-location. We heard a lot about you know how these teams are working really well if they're co-located. I think Sydney gave a great example. She has opportunities to co-locate with three of the four teams that she works closely with and not with the, the fourth team and, and really identified some additional challenges that she had when she wasn't able to be co-located. I think a big question is, you know, how do you work to embed team-based care in teams that aren't co-located, recognizing that there are a lot of teams that aren't going to have the advantages of co-location? I mean, really practically, I think the idea of creating those spaces to have that team development and those communication pieces to happen are, are critical, even more so. So the team huddle, case conferencing, setting those up so they're really clear. I, I can't imagine trying to build a team without those and trying to do that virtually. If you don't do that, you, you default to a fax relationship and it's a, it's a referral service, not a team, right? And that, I think that's the, that's the real risk is that we build another layer of referrals that does some additional work, but it's not getting that benefit of the team that's being dynamic and patient-centered. Selena kind of spoke to that at one point in time, moving from the classroom into clinical or real work. That some people make that transition really easily, and some others, it's hard to take that book learning and translate it into practice. And I think that's where that experiential learning of learning together as a team, even when they're not co-located, is so critical, because I think it gives a chance for people to get to know each other and build those relationships. But I think going back to your comment about huddles, Morgan, I think the other thing that we have to make sure is that even if they're not co-located, you can still do a huddle in the morning. Um, short, sweet, that chance to connect. If cameras can be on, all the better if they have that chance to do that. But that, that opportunity to really come together, talk about the day, what are what's going on with the various patients, what might be happening that we, we want to be watching for that day. 
because I think if teams have that space and can protect that time, regardless of co-located or not, that's going to make a difference of really setting them up for success. And really, you know, that might be something now that people are more comfortable with than they would have been before COVID. Everything is moving more to virtual. People are getting more comfortable on Zoom, using chats, kind of connecting in these alternative ways. I think that might be an opportunity space that's that's been created right now. And then making it really uh, friction-free, to use a bit of a buzzword. But I think committing to that space and that is, is so important. So having a system that's just to turn on and away you go. Yeah. I think behavioral economic principles apply here, making it easy as being the number one thing so that barriers removed right off the start. And I think also building it into routine, ebbing into the concept of culture and sort of what that culture supports. And I think, you know, if we were looking at themes from the webinar, that's the other thing that really, really stood out to me is that concept of culture change and that this is a, a massive culture change and thinking about what do we know around culture change and how do we really give teams that time to talk to each other to think about how they want to work together and how that early morning huddle, it, what's the best mechanism for them to connect for that group of people? Because I don't think there's a cookie cutter approach. I think it's so context specific. COVID has actually been a gift in some ways in that it is, it's forced some change in a very rapid way. It's forced us to be really agile and, and shift how we're doing some things. And perhaps it, it means there's an opportunity that we take away from that in terms of the ability to be more fluid and agile and thinking about how we can work together differently. It's, it's been forced upon us. And I think it's about, okay, what can we take away from that now? What What is the best of that experience that we can learn from and, and try translate into the model of care. Yeah, I think that's a that's a key thing we keep wanting to come back to, right? It's like what's working better and let's keep that part and still look forward to the you know when things get back closer to normal in the future. I wanted to loop back to building off the idea of kind of culture change and building a shared vision. I think we heard a lot in the webinar about the value, the importance of building a shared vision, but we didn't really get beyond that and there was some questions. How do we do this? How do we build a shared vision? What kind of tools can help? I mean, I know you've done a lot of work in this area, Colleen. You could probably feel me vibrating because I'm bursting with excitement about that question. Sarah, building shared purpose with teams, creating the space to build sh shared purpose. We've got resources we use left, right, and center. And so we actually took the liberty after that question floated up at the last webinar and this one to start crafting a resource that people could lean on. Actually, it pulls together content we already had and just leverage the team-based CareBC approach that we've been using to really outline some step-by-step -step approaches for how teams can start to build shared purpose. So how they can have the conversations. We even went so far as to build a slide deck for people to take and adapt and make their own. And I think also then looking at where there's alignment and values, because I think we find so much in, in when we actually come together and look at where our values overlap. And we've mapped out how you can do that virtually. See, I was so hoping that you guys were going to develop something like that. That's great. It's in development right now in design. We'll endeavor to get it onto our team-based care BC website when it's ready. So Colleen, I want to ask a question about that. So I'm, I'm super excited about the work that's coming. Uh, in the meantime, is there one takeaway that we can, we can offer to a busy small practice that's looking to think about shared purpose and, and do something tangible next week? Yeah. Throw something up on the wall or on a virtual whiteboard and get the team to start writing about why you're doing the work you're doing. Really reflecting on 
what a vision for success would look like, what that future could look like as a team in terms of if you look ahead five months and in an ideal world, what will you be seeing? How will the team be functioning? How will the team be seamlessly moving in and around and with the patient in that model of care and getting people to start really sharing that vision and then building on that, bringing the team together in whatever way you can in this current context. We know that sort of by spending that time really understanding sort of the why and and getting deeper into the why as a group of people is where you can really find the richness of the discussion around shared purpose and really seeing where there is that alignment, really exploring where there is that that common thread between everyone and the work they're trying to achieve. I think the other thing is really just getting people to have the time to talk about what they value, even putting up a list on the wall of a bunch of different values and having people vote on them. And then I think, you know, as you're bringing in new team members, if you have that shared value as a way to orient people, as a way to support sharing those values more broadly, to have that back end work done so you can bring new people on board. This is how we know we want to work. Absolutely. And I think in so many ways, making a shared purpose document that comes out of an, an engagement like that with a team, a, a living document that people come back to, that they, they use when they're making tough decisions and tough choices that the team can use to shift and adjust as they see other opportunities for how the team can work together. Well, that's it for this episode. Please reach out to us and give us feedback. We really want to make these as useful as we can for you. Links to how to contact us are in the show notes. We'll talk to you soon.